Welcome to the Resume Storyteller, bringing you interviews with industry experts, regular folks who tested the job search waters and succeeded, and strategies to tell your story and land you job interviews. Here's your host, Virginia Franco. Hey guys, welcome to the Resume Storyteller podcast. I have with me today our technology leader and career coach, Adam Broda. He is an innovative technology leader and a coach, and his mission is to make the world a better place by elevating the professionals and businesses that shape it every single day. Um, He wears two hats. By day, he is a senior technology manager at Amazon. And at night, he runs his uh, coaching business where he helps people transition and advance their tech careers. So Adam, thank you so much for coming on this today. Um, I have been following you for a little bit on social media, which is how we connected. Uh, but I really don't know how you came to do what you do in both those roles. So I'd love to hear more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm still trying to figure that out too. Uh, you know, you you wake up and there's a pandemic and you're a career coach. There you go. Um, <laughs> no, it, it, it it wasn't that easy. Um, My, that's how yeah. mine started in the uh, first re- in the recession in 2008. So it can happen. God, yeah. Well. I, my story is not that far off. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I've been in engineering and technology jobs pretty much my whole life. I mean, even in, in high school and kind of, I've, I've known that's what I wanted to do for a long time. So, um, the technology piece has always been there. My, my parents are engineers. My whole family is engineers. I grew up in that space. And so your brain um, works that way. My brain works that way. Yes. So I'm, I've been single for a long time. That's, that's what that means. Uh, no, uh, but, but yeah, I, that was always there. Um, the, the coaching piece, I think, is something that's really kind of grown and developed over time. So uh, I worked at Boeing for, for eight years, uh, all the way into 2019. And in a number of different jobs, I, I participated in a couple of different leadership development programs. Um, been a manager of people for for almost six years, seventy five percent of the time that I was at that company. And yeah, originally I hated management, believe it or not. I I got thrown into it kind of in a weird right time, right place situation, and I I didn't think it was for me. And got plugged into some right some of the right people, had some good mentors, uh, participated in some development programs, and then really started to figure out how to how to use my own leadership style to my advantage. I think before that I had tried to fit into this box of what I thought of someone else's mold. Exactly. And and man, there's probably no faster way to burn out in a job than trying to act and be someone else. So some of where I'm coming from is just lessons learned and failures I've made in the past. But, uh, but yeah, um, that that's really what our coaching firm does. It kind of pulls the experiences that I've had and some of the other people in our coaching community have had out puts that into a process and then we kind of couple that with you know high likelihood tips and and tactics for getting your foot in the door at engineering and tech firms and um, again in a very high level nutshell that's that's what our Broda okay. coaching organization does oh that's that's awesome um, and I love to hear when people when people a lot of people's strategies are grounded in things that worked and things that did because exactly. um, that that's just so much more authentic. Um, so what, you know, in the past, um, thinking back to certainly in 2008, tech and, tech and engineering roles, to me, seemed more plentiful than maybe other roles. I felt like 
Well, even when things sort of stunk for certain industries, those kinds of roles seemed more transferable to me and they were always hiring for them. And um, in some cases, I'd say the same during this COVID epidemic. Um, What do you see as a couple of challenges facing people, you know, people that are testing the job search waters or trying to break into tech right now? Yeah, it's a great, great question. Um, The pandemic has really kind of forced the hand of many companies in terms of who they're willing to take on in different tech roles. And that's both a good and a bad thing, right? I think you're seeing companies like Google and Facebook and even Amazon to some degree launch these major upskilling programs, which what that says is like, hey, there's such a demand for these jobs that we're, you know, we're not able to source all those people on our own, right? We, we're willing to take people that maybe aren't qualified, that have the right emotional intelligence or interpersonal skills and teach them the tech aspects. And that's huge, right? I mean, that that didn't exist that's in 2008. Fair. Whereas I think a decade ago, it was more like, well, you got to be in software, you got to be in computer science. And that's really what tech means. Whereas today, and again, you look at a company like like Amazon, which is the second largest company in the world, mm-hmm. There's so many non-tech positions in that tech company that, I mean, you can be anybody and get in, right? And, and again, I think that's a good sign that, the, that the, those companies are broadening in terms of what's, what's entertained, you know, what they see as valuable, what, what roles they need help with. And uh, that's, again, that's a big part of what our firm does is that you don't have to be a software development engineer to be in tech. And, and it's funny because lots of people still think that. Um, you can have all kinds of different skill sets, right? You hop on, hop on Google job search, right? Or LinkedIn job search and type in program manager and just see how many thousands of positions pop up. Like that's, Oh yeah. I mean, customer experience managers, HR, exactly. recruiting, you're, no, you're right. There's a ton. Um, I think another sign, and I'd be interested to see if you agree that tech is struggling to fill all of the roles it has things for the demand is that um, I know, you know, Facebook and Google and a lot of them announced that post-COVID, they see really continuing in that virtual space. And a lot of that is to save money, but it also allows them to have a bigger a bigger pond to fish from. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we, we, we're seeing that, uh, I think, even before the pandemic happened, that as as these companies try to spread out and diversify and you know build logistics networks or mm-hmm. build systems engineering networks they need to go other places and it's hard to do that right i mean that's why silicon valley is silicon valley it's that the talent pool was there and that's why everybody showed up yeah. but as the pandemic kind of pushes out globalization and moves talent to an online platform some of those barriers and roadblocks fall away and i like I said, I, I'm super excited to see what it's going to do to yeah, the talent pool yeah. and really the market because you can work anywhere and work for a company like Google. You can work anywhere and you know do work for Microsoft. It's it's really a game changer. Yeah, and, I, you know, I, I suspect the Silicon Valley salaries will go will be a thing of the past too when that happens. But it is going to be interesting. <laughs> it's going to transform. 
Um, and that might not be a bad thing, right? Because you can work as a software engineer and not have to pay, you know, $2 million for a house in Palo Alto, right? Yep, you can live in exactly Columbus, right. Ohio. That's right. No, absolutely. 100%. Um, although all those people that say, I'm going to keep that that salary and then try to move to Columbus, Ohio, I don't know that that's going to be an option for them. <laughs> right. Um, right. <laughs> so, and maybe just answered this question, but, and, you know, engineering and tech roles are often really high, highly specialized. Um what advice do you have to someone who is looking to break into, you know, take that uh, that specialty and move into a new industry with it, or maybe pivot into another specialty area, you know, from hardware to software, or um, mm-hmm. I don't know, something. It's, you know, there's all sorts of different roles where technical expertise is is in demand. Yeah, it's a good question. I think. What I recommend to clients is starting with transferable skills, right? You might not have 100% of what that job is requiring or desiring, but you might have 50% of it. And the thought would be that you can probably fill the gap, the other 50%, or maybe even the the other 25% and get most of the way there with upskilling programs like Coursera and Udemy and Quantic. And again, the list kind of goes on and on and on of places you can go to get education. And those... Those those boot camps and those things are starting to carry more weight. Uh, I was going to ask you about that because I do feel what what sites do you or what platforms do you recommend that are considered sort of legitimate or well respected places to learn a technical skill? Because you do see the job postings and they say must have experience in this. Um, yeah. It's it's such a good question. I'd say it's it's a fairly loaded question because sometimes it depends on the job type True. as to what you know what avenue you should take. You know, if you want to be an SDE, there's a load of different boot camps that go anywhere from six to eighteen months. You could okay. sign up for and learn a couple different programming languages, right? And that's probably enough to get your foot in the door. Is that enough to get your position. yeah for software engineering roles and things like that? Okay. Uh huh. And that's you know that's option one, right? There's there's places like Coursera and Udemy and, you know, even like Amazon has their own series of AWS certifications. Yeah, Again, like the, those carry weight, right? You might not take them and become a software development engineer, but you might be able to take them and become a technical program manager. And again, it's all about picking that starting point in your entryway. Uh, you know, the third option would be that you come in in a non-technical role, you upskill while you work for the company, and then you transition once you're ready. And all three of those methods work. So you've got options. Well, and I like that idea of a micro pivot. That's something that I recommend to my clients as well. Maybe you don't make that full leap, but do an intermediary step um, because mm-hmm. that's a that's a logical next step and it's an easier Ask, it's easier to make the case that will help a hiring manager to realize that you're worth taking a risk on. Exactly. Exactly. No, I, I love that. Um, so piggybacking onto that, you know, especially in, I guess not the, the non-techie technical roles, but the, uh, some of the leadership program management, project management, that sort of thing, as well as I guess software engineering, there, there's a lot of certifications out there four different scrum ones and I don't know how many different ones around (laughs) cloud knowledge. And um, do you feel like those kinds of certifications are worth that investment of time and money? Um, Yeah. You you don't have them? Super good question. And I would, what I teach clients is it's 
all about the audience, right? The tech space is so much broader and bigger than it was even two years ago. So what we recommend is, is know your audience, right? Go look at the LinkedIn profiles of the people you want to work for or work with. Go figure out what they have. Ask them questions. You know, talk to recruiters, talk to whoever you can. If that AWS certification is important, ask, right? That would be the advice is don't don't struggle alone and guess, right? Try to try to go get the best information you can before you make a decision Mm -hmm. like that because you're absolutely right. It, you know that cloud certification that you took three months to complete might be meaningless to one tech company, but it could not. You know, it could be the other way around for another firm. It, no, that's it just true. Comes back and to and the I've audience. seen I've seen people that have been living eating, and breeding project management for their whole lives. They just never got around to getting their PMP. Um, right. So it does depend on um, depend on the company. Do you also believe that the initials at the end of your name? maybe matter less when you are job searching by networking versus just responding online where, you know, the ATS systems might be, you know, programmed to look for that sort of a keyword. Uh, yeah, uh, it's a good, it's a good debate. <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah. I heard that eye roll. <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> answer? It's a, it's a question with a lot of different opinions. Um, my opinion is... Again, audience is king, right? Beauty is mm-hmm. in the eye of the beholder. Go figure out what they think is 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 appropriate. But uh, you know, from my knot hole, um, I'm never writing resumes for ATS systems. I'm always writing them for humans. Oh and, my gosh, I'm clapping. I'm yeah, on the microphone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You take it from a hiring manager at a tech firm. Uh, don't don't do that because eventually it'll get looked at by a person and it's it's highly likely that someone's going to see it um you know even if you don't qualify so yeah I, the the letters at the end of your name i i i'd honestly say that they mean less now than they ever did uh doesn't okay. mean that you know mba isn't important or phd isn't important or sde isn't important it just means that on linkedin anyone can put literally anything in their title and i don't use titles or letters to make hiring decisions. I use value. And as an HM, like that, that's what I'm looking for when I'm sourcing, when I'm interviewing, when I'm, you know, connecting is what does this person have to offer? And I don't really use the letters in their title again on LinkedIn, the internet, um, mm-hmm. as a as a way to indicate that. I, I go figure that out on my own. From a from a resume perspective, yeah. Uh, I mean if you've got that certification, put it, right? Again, your audience is impressed by an MBA, put it in your title. That's that's great. But I think on the internet where anything goes and there's no moderator, it means less. And so when you are searching for people to you know, be able to dig in um, and find that value, what what do you use? What are the do you what are the sort of the key things that you enter to try to pull up that talent? Are you looking at companies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, skills. It's a really good question. Um, I, I guess first and foremost, you know, I, the bigger the company, it's highly likely that th- there's a team of people doing that, right? Like there's yeah. there's recruiters and sourcers that work on our recs that go and and really are the experts in that space. I will do it on my own sometimes, uh, and for me, it's it's a fairly simple LinkedIn search with a couple different filters, right? I I really will search by keyword. So kind of back to your point, um, Virginia, like mm-hmm. it is important to have certain keywords in your title on LinkedIn, 
right? Right. I don't maybe trust them, but I can find you by them. And again, that's what I would say. Like in 2021, titles on the internet are more about being found than they are about your qualifications, right? Your about section is how is somebody that is looking for you going to find you? And that's exactly how I use it. I'm going to type in senior manager software development if I'm looking for people that are in that space. And if you don't have those keywords in your profile, I'm probably not going to see you. So they are important. They don't necessarily get you hired, but they do get get you found. found. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. When I'm writing a LinkedIn, I actually take, in addition to the headline at the top, I take great care too. While I'm including the little title that is given to you by the company, I will expand upon it in the 100 characters that LinkedIn gives me so that I can be more descriptive about the job title and make them um, and insert some of those keywords in there. Absolutely. To boost, boost their, their findability. Um, so what advice do you give your clients who have been job searching and it's not going well? It's sort of a different, different kind of advice than you might give someone who, before they embark on a search, how do you help them regroup? Yeah. And I mean, that's a lot of what comes through the door, right? We get people that have been job searching for a long time and just struggling. So I think that's the first piece of advice I would give is ask for help. As, As odd as that sounds, there's just so many people that don't do that, 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 that struggle for a long time yeah. before they reach a point where they ask someone else for guidance or help. And that doesn't necessarily mean paid coaching or paid no, professional yeah. help, right? It, 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 it might just mean reaching out to friends or family or connections on LinkedIn that have common interests and learning as much as you can. What I tell my clients is at a minimum, you know, start gearing your, your LinkedIn profile towards things of, of interest, right? Follow groups that, you know, are, are, are talking about things you're interested in. Follow people that talk about things that you're interested in. Uh, start to fill your feed with opportunities and information that is going to help push you in the right direction, right? At a minimum, anybody can do that. So, you know, I, I'd say start there and then kind of work your way into that space by meeting more people, asking more questions, getting more help and advice. Um, yeah. You know, and then coaching, I, I would say, is kind of the, you know, the, when you're ready to to pay for that support and you're really serious about it, then yeah, go for it. Because there's tons of great, there's so many great services out there that I think are small investments for giant payoffs. I, yeah, uh, I agree. And there, there, there are different business models for different price points. Um, I've, mm-hmm. I've seen a huge growth in job clubs since, uh, you know, they've always been around, but since the pandemic, they've boomed and those are wonderful free resources, not just for knowledge, but just for, for support. Um, because job search has a lot of ups and downs and the downs can be rough. They sure can. Yeah, (laughs) they sure can. And sometimes that community is, is there to kind of pick you up, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, we have a a LinkedIn community in Broda coaching that does a little bit of that, right? It's a support group in addition to a, a bunch of networking connections. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, because um, and and then you can always pay it back when uh, when someone else is down and you've been through that. That's wonderful. Um, that's the idea. So, what about you know pivoting a little bit? What advice do you have for someone who comes to you? Because I get this all the time, and I say I can either do program management, or I can be a programmer, or I can or I can be a software engineer, or I could go and do a cloud transformation. What um. I, I can't decide what what to do next, or and I don't want to 
I don't want to limit my options. Yeah. Well, I think any good job searcher is going to be able to prioritize what's most important. Um, with many of our career career clients, we start off by trying to get a really good understanding of that priority, right? We use a tool called the life wheel, where we force people to try and score the avenues of their life on a scale of one to 10 in current state and then in an ideal future state. So we say, hey, you know, there's 12 different aspects of life. Let's call it, you know, family, Mm -hmm. uh, finance, uh, you know, work satisfaction, then all the way around the wheel we go. And we score on a scale of, like I said, one to 10, we average those scores. We say, okay, this is your current state. Now let's talk about where you want to get to in three, five, 10 years. What's it going to take to, you know, elevate these numbers? Where do you want to focus? What area of the wheels are the most important? And how can we create a job or really an identity that allows you to create some of those or attract some of those opportunities? Maybe that's a weird way to answer your question. You know, if, if you can do a lot of things and there's a lot of doors that are open, you know, I, I still think a targeted approach is best. So we try to help clients figure out how to accurately target their effort. Um, I think sometimes casting too wide of a net uh, can kind of unnecessarily prolong the job searching process. So we, we do spend some time helping with making that decision. Well, what I like about that exercises that allows you to create your target with an end goal in mind. Um, you've reverse engineered yeah. the process. Yep. That's a great way how, to word it. So can anyone buy a life wheel and run themselves through the exercise <laughs> or is this a grown-up proprietary <laughs> tool? Yeah, it's not a proprietary tool. I think the maybe the very unique version that we use is a uh, is proprietary. But no, I mean, yeah, go go Google search Life Wheel. Um, there's lots of different examples out there, and you can you can assess yourself okay. in a lot of different ways. It's it's just it's maybe just a slightly different personality test if you won't even think of it that way. Well, it's a snapshot it's, in time and because it sounds like because it looks at you know family. Uh, finances, all of that, it helps you to identify not only what's important to you, but what your deal breakers are. Um, Because if I want to go be a world-class chef and I need to have, spend 30,000 on my kitchen renovation, then that's a deal breaker for me. And that's not going to happen, but you have to sort of know what those are. Exactly. It helps prevent the grass is always greener scenario from happening because it forces people to understand how a job change would affect all the aspects of their life, right? Instead of just pay or career satisfaction. Um, I think it's a very engineering way to break yeah. down a, a, a complicated life decision, right? Or even a career. Oh, and it path. takes all the emotion out of it so you can <laughs> yeah. put something clearly. Very engineering. I love that. Story of my life. Take all the emotion <laughs> out and engineer it. Yep. No, nope, that, that's there perfect you go. though. Because you know, these these kinds of decisions are fraught with emotion and it makes it hard to look at the data. Sometimes you look at the data and then your gut points you in one way or the other, but at least you've been able to look at that. So exactly. No, love that. Um, so I want, I would like to talk with you about uh, bias and discrimination when it comes to hiring practices, because this has been around for a long time. It's certainly been in the news the past year even more than ever before, but there's age, there's ethnicity, there's gender, that's all of it. Um, Have you seen this play out in tech and engineering? 
And how so? And how do you guide your clients through all of that? Yeah. Uh, well, the short answer is yes, of course it exists, right? Bi- bias exists in all kinds of forms. And I think, you know, big companies are constantly in battle to try and root it out and figure out how to, you know, deal with it appropriately in their hiring processes or screening processes. So yes, it's absolutely out there. I think good hiring managers need to be aware of it. And again, how to to manage against it. And, uh, you know, it, it's something that's, I think, always there right it's it, 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 you know the way that you're brought up the way that your brain is trained yeah. there's biases of all kinds whether that's you know a race based bias in some extreme forms uh you know I, or or maybe it's an age based bias oh, there's, there's age there's gender there's so many things color of your hair there's everything yeah right so what we teach again like you know we're we're not going to ignore that bias exists, but we're also not going to overly focus on it, right? Like we're not going to train a person of a different race to go into an interview prepared, you know, to 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 argue on race. Like that's okay. it's not that's not value added. So what we do is we kind of come from a perspective of you know value and results are the great equalizers. You can be an alien from another planet, but if you can deliver, you know, high-end value and impactful progress, you know, programs and and innovative ideas, then you know, it's the in my opinion, it's the best way to fight bias that you don't know is there as a candidate because it's not your job as an applicant to go into a company and root it out. Right, it's your job to to ace the interview, um, and that's really where we focus. Is we try to spend our time teaching you things that are going to make the most difference. And our philosophy is, you know, again, worry about what you can control, right? Yeah. Sphere of influence. So what you're going to spend time, you know, uh, you know, kind of strategizing on is not how to deal with an, a bias that you're not sure exists. Not sure gonna, exists. Yeah, you're going to spend time trying to figure out how to communicate how you know, value added you are and the results you can deliver and the return on investment that you've proven. And that's how we deal with it. Right. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's there. Yeah. No, I, um, I was speaking with, uh, I don't know if you know, Sonal Ball, um, or not, but she was talking about how, when you, when you really show that value, it's sort of, it has a way from a psychology perspective of making human beings hit the mute button on their, um, on their bias. Yeah. Which yep, yeah. I guess that's essentially what you're saying. No, I love that. Um, so let's say someone comes to you at a dinner party if we're ever allowed out of our houses and says, um, okay, I'm getting ready to job search. Um, what are one or two tools that I absolutely must have before I get started? What would you say? Yeah. Well, I'd say, why are we at a dinner party in a <laughs> pandemic? <laughs> Post-pandemic. Virtual dinner party. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the obvious one is LinkedIn. Uh, you, yeah. if we, even if we want to call that a tool, right? I think it's almost assumed in this day of age. But LinkedIn is very powerful. And I think a lot of clients don't understand just how much it can do. I agree with that. Right? It's not just a profile like Facebook. There's bunches and bunches of tools and search features and and powerful analytics platforms even built into it that a lot of people usually aren't aware of. So that's the clear you know, it's, presence. It's, it's the best CRM, I think. I, I, I don't know if I'd say it's the best, but it is pretty <laughs> dang close. Okay. Um, for the price, right? I mean... Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> 
That's probably the way to word it. Yeah, okay. for the money. It's the yeah, best no, bang it's for no your sale, buck. Of course, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then tool number two, I think it. I think tool number two can really kind of vary in you know dependent upon the market that you're in. But I'd say like from a general career hunting job searching perspective, uh, I'm I'm a fan of mass organization, right? So for me, it's it's a tool like Excel or Todoist, and Sometimes it just depends on you. Do you want to be on a phone or do you want to be on a laptop? And mm-hmm. I try to have ways that I'm organizing all my information, right? Who am I talking to? Who do I need to talk to? The job recs I'm actively pursuing, you know, the companies I need to establish people that can refer me. And, you know, to, to do is, is, I think, my favorite way to do that mobily. And, you know, Excel is probably the next best option. And, and that's just maybe the generation I'm from. But, I'm I'm a fan of Excel. Just to manage can, that whole that whole funnel, and you're right. You can do it right. on your phone, or you can do it on your on your uh, desktop. Um, do you yep. feel like that is? You know, you, you mentioned that it can vary according to industry um, or role, but do you feel like in the IT space or the tech space that that is um, the second tool that you would recommend aside from LinkedIn? Yeah, and I think that's encouraging because, like, you really don't have to overcomplicate it to find success in IT or tech or engineering, right? Like, a simple organization method is is what's effective. It's not necessarily some wizarding tool that's right. out there like Rike or Asana or something like that that you you need powerful analytics to to be successful, right? You can do it with Word document. It's yeah, something it's just, that you can hit Control F and find what you need. That's right. I, I like to do this because it's always on my phone. So anytime I need to take a note or record a contact or a conversation or a phone number, it's right there. And and that's really what it's about. It's a, it's a system that you're creating. It's habits that you're creating that allow you to be successful, not necessarily a software. I love that. Um, so you have two jobs. Um, and, your, and your company does a lot of different things for... Helps job seekers right. in lots of different ways. What do you have planned for 2021? 2022, sorry. Yeah. So we're in 2021 yeah. now. What's, what's the plan for you going forward? So it's a good question. And I have to be honest, I'm not really 100% sure. I, <laughs> I, love, I love the job I have at Amazon. I, I work in the wellness technology space. So oh. it's such a cool way to give back. Like the, the, the technology and software and hardware that we build literally helps people live better lives. And I, it's it's been harder to find a better place than that. Oh so, my gosh, how rewarding. It is. It's it's really cool. Um, from the Broda coaching perspective, like I need to figure out a way to help more people because right now everything is a direct function of my time. All of mm-hmm. our sessions and meetings are are with me, right? Or are with a person. And, uh, you know, like you said, right? I, I want different strokes for different folks. I want different options for people that might want to spend more or spend less or have more time or less time. And that's where I'm at right now is kind of strategizing for the future by building out a series of options. And I think you'll see that hopefully in the next couple months, right? We'll start to communicate that with our audience uh, in our client base and um, have a little bit better of a product suite for oh. a number of different people. So I have included in your bio that'll appear in, when this gets produced, a, cop, a link to your LinkedIn profile and then to Broda Coaching to the website. Are those mm-hmm. the two best places to keep up with what you and the um, and your coaching business up to? Yes, those are okay. the two best spots. And do you have an email list once they go to your coaching site? 
we're pretty active on LinkedIn. So like, okay. if you are a client, um, we, we don't do like an email newsletter yet. Okay. We, we do active engagements through our LinkedIn community. So Great. anybody that's worked with us gets added in there. And that's what we're updating on a weekly basis. Oh, that's great. Um, and the website is brodacoaching.com. Um, and he's super easy to find on LinkedIn and you, you have, you share great content. So please, please follow him. Um, Adam, thank you so much for joining me, especially given how busy you are. I really appreciate it. Um, you gave a a lot of great actionable advice. No problem. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun following you too, Virginia. Uh, and, and again, look forward to the continued conversation. That'd be great. You've been listening to The Resume Storyteller with Virginia Franco. To learn more about storytelling strategies to catch the eye of today's online skim hiring and decision makers, please visit www.virginiafrancoresumes.com.